Let's go ahead and open up to Philippians 4, verse 10. And as we turn there, I'd like to give you a brief preview of the sermon schedule for the rest of the year. So, after this week, I think we'll have two more weeks in Philippians. Two more weeks. And that will put us to November 1st. And I don't know if you knew this, but there's an election happening on November 3rd. And on November 1st, I'd like to give a sermon about what's happening, what's going on. I'm not exactly sure my text, my passage, or what it is I'll be talking about. But hopefully something timely to November 3rd, the election day. And after that, there's four weeks left in November. Pastor Jesse plans on preaching those four weeks in the book of Obadiah. After that, takes us into December, I'll do a short Advent series. And that leaves us with one weekend left in 2020. I'm not sure exactly what I'll do there. But on the first week, on the first Sunday of the new year, I plan to start a new series. Still working that out. So that's where we're headed, that's where we're going. And I so thank you so much for your kindness and patience as through all this COVID stuff, I, I, uh, I've been thinking about what is the plan for us in this season of COVID. And I think the main idea is just survival. Just surviving together as a church, loving one another, and just getting through this. I'm hoping and thinking that next year things will be considerably different. If they're not, we're, we, we will work through that. But in the meantime, thank you for your patience and kindness through all this. Well, this morning, we're discussing the topic of contentment. Contentment. During this COVID season, I've experienced an increased sense of restlessness, uneasiness. As I've mentioned before, going home and looking for that Amazon package on the front porch. If you remember me using that reference. This restlessness. And we all experience this to varying degrees in life. You might, like me, have experienced this restlessness and an increased sense during COVID, being bored, not knowing what's going to happen, being upset with all of these restrictions and new rules. And God has something to say to us in this atmosphere, in this context. God cares about our emotional state. He cares about how we're doing in our hearts. And contentment, what we're going to see this morning, is that contentment is about satisfaction. Satisfaction through the valleys of life, through the dark times, and yet also satisfaction through the times of blessing and abundance. That's what we're going to tackle this morning. And we get, that, we get this message I get this message from Philippians 4, 10 through 14. Let's go ahead and read this passage together. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. 
I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Before we jump into the points of this sermon this morning, I'd like to take a brief survey of the context, what's going on in this book as a whole. Paul here in chapter 4, and specifically our passage, Paul's transitioning to talking about this gift that the Philippians have sent him via Epaphroditus. If you look at verse 18, Philippians 4.18, Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. There Paul is specifying this financial gift that the Philippians sent to him by means of Epaphroditus. And in verse 10, Paul introduces this idea of this gift. I rejoice, great, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. The Philippians have showed their concern to Paul by means of this gift. And then Paul concludes in verse 14, It was kind of you to share my trouble. Paul here in verse 10 and verse 14 is talking about this financial gift that the Philippians sent to him by means of Epaphroditus to help Paul. Now sandwiched in between verses 10 and 14 we get this autobiographical sketch of Paul's own contentment even without the gift. Paul in verses 11, 12, and 13 talks about his spiritual and emotional state without the gift. He has received this gift and he is thankful for it, but even without it, Paul's content. That's the breakdown of the passage as a whole. So drilling down to specifics, I have four points for you this morning. The first point is this. Contentment is not, this is a tongue twister, contentment is not hyper-spirituality. Contentment is not hyper-spirituality. And what I want to focus on in this point is bringing out what contentment is not. Sometimes, when we approach the difficulties of life, we're not honest. We're neither honest with God, nor honest with each other. Let's say you're going through something really difficult, which happens. In this life, you will have tribulation, our Lord says. And as you're going through this, your posture of rather than being, Lord, I need help, I'm struggling. That being your posture to God and your posture being towards others, can you pray for me? I'm really struggling right now. Hyper-spirituality is, things are great. They've never been better. That's what hyper-spirituality is. It's, it's not correctly and honestly reflecting on the circumstances of life. And in contentment, to be content... You can both be upset about circumstances and yet satisfied in Jesus. 
Contentment allows for that. To be satisfied in Jesus means that you don't have to be satisfied in your circumstances. Let's say that you're in a job that you really don't like. To Christianly live out your vocation does not mean that you have to like that job. Contentment allows for sorrow and difficulty. And I want you to see in this passage where I'm getting this from. How does Paul interpret his imprisonment, which is going on, the book of Philippians, Paul is writing from prison. How does Paul interpret his imprisonment, how does he speak of it towards the Philippians? Look at verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share what? My trouble. In verses 11, 12, and 13, Paul is very upbeat. He's speaking of the strength that God has given him. Yet nonetheless, Paul still recognized that being in prison is bad. Paul interprets this imprisonment as a trouble, as an affliction, as something that is not enjoyable. And contentment allows for that, dear Christian. You don't have to like your circumstances to be satisfied in Jesus. You can simultaneously be sorrowful about what's going on and yet content. Contentment allows for that. Contentment is not everything's just fine. Dear friends, in this life, there are times when everything is not okay. And contentment allows for that. And so if you're struggling, if you're in a dark season of life, it's okay to acknowledge that to God. It is okay and good and healthy to model the Psalms and to pour forth your heart to God in disappointment and frustration. We never let go of our faith. We always hold on to the belief that God is good. God is always good. Amen? God is always good. But it is okay. There should be no but there. God is always good. And in recognition of his goodness, pouring forth your heart to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm not feeling that right now. That is good, that is healthy, and that is beneficial for you. And you can be both content and struggling at the same time. We don't have to have this facade of hyper-spirituality that everything is okay when it's not. Just like Paul, we can both see our circumstances as troublesome and yet hold on to being satisfied in Jesus. Now that's what contentment is not. But what is contentment, Pastor? Contentment is about satisfaction. Here I'm transitioning to my second point. Contentment is about satisfaction. Contentment is about being satisfied in Jesus. Through the good and the bad. Looking at verse 11. 
Not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation, whether good or ill, I am to be content. The way I want us to understand this noun here, content, it could be also be understood as satisfaction. We might understand this verse this way. For I've learned in whatever situation I am to be satisfied. Now, satisfaction refers to something that goes on in, in your heart. It's a state of rest. It's a state of accepting God's plan and purpose in your life, even if you don't like it. As you go through the difficulties, the ebb and flows of life, it's a constant focus and satisfaction on God. It's a belief and assurance in your heart that God is good, regardless of what you're going through. And this contentment is both for seasons of difficulty and bounty. Very interestingly, look at the beginning of verse 11. Paul says, not that I am speaking of being in need. So Paul, at the beginning of verse 11, is denying that he is in need. But look with me, though, at verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. Hmm. So the beginning of verse 11, Paul denies that he has need. But in verse 16, he says that the Philippians helped him in Thessalonica. That's a tongue twister. He says in verse 16 that the Philippians helped him in Thessalonica with his needs. So which one is it? Is Paul contradicting himself here? Absolutely not. And the way I want us to interpret this is when Paul speaks of need in verse 16, he's speaking of his physical need. Paul had these physical needs. Money, shelter, clothing, food, things like that. Things that we all have needs of. But when he says in verse 11 that I am not speaking of being in need, in verse 11 he's not talking about his physical state. In verse 11 when Paul says, I do not have need, Paul is not saying there that he has spiritual needs. So Paul pivots here in verse 11 to speaking of spiritual needs. In verse 16 he's talking about physical needs. What this means for contentment is this. Contentment is about spiritual satisfaction. Contentment is about having your spiritual needs met, even though your physical needs might not be met. Contentment is about the heart. It's not about the externals. It's not about what's going on outside of yourself. Contentment is a spiritual realization. Once again, we can be in, in physical need and yet still be content. You can be sick. You can have cancer. You can 
be out of money and hungry and yet still be content. That's what contentment is. It's a fortitude in the inside, in your inner man of satisfaction in Jesus. And the satisfaction happens in the bad and the good. Verse 12. First off, dealing with the bad. I know how to be brought low. Paul here is mentioning a negative circumstance, a circumstance in which he was shamed, he was humbled. We're not sure specifically what Paul is speaking of here. It could refer to his imprisonment or a number of other difficulties that Paul ran into. But Paul knows how to be brought, Paul knows how to be content while being brought low. Verse 12 again. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing hunger. There were times in Paul's life whenever he was hungry and yet still content. At the end of verse 12, again, we have this recognition of Paul's physical need. Paul has this sense of satisfaction in Jesus through the valleys and difficulties of his apostolic ministry. And for us, dear friend, dear friends, contentment is key. When we go through the difficult valleys of life, what happens is that we are prone towards despairing. We are prone towards a dissatisfaction. We are prone towards believing that, Lord, if you just changed my circumstances, I'd be happy. And what Paul is teaching here is that we can have a happiness, a consistency, a satisfaction that cannot be touched. That regardless of what it is that you go through, you can say in your heart, it is well with my soul. That's for the valleys. That's for the difficulties. Do not despair, dear friends. We always have Jesus. He's always risen from the dead. His atonement is always sure. You need add nothing to it. It is a finished work. And we also need contentment in the times of bounty and blessing. Verse 12, once again. I know how to be brought low. That was a negative circumstance. And I know how to, and I know how to abound. Paul here is talking about positive circumstances. We're not exactly sure what he's referring to. But in his life, in his apostolic ministry, there are times of tremendous blessing. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty, of having an overabundance of what it is that he needs. And once again, the word abundance mentioned at the end of verse 12. Paul has experienced all of this. Paul has experienced the mountaintops and the valleys. And what is consistent? What is consistent through all of this is his satisfaction in Jesus. There's a temptation when life is good towards finding our satisfaction in those circumstances. 
there's a temptation in the Christian life towards wanting the gifts more than the giver. There's a temptation towards idolizing the gifts and not worshiping the giver. We must protect ourselves from this temptation and constantly, consistently remind ourselves that our faith must not be determined by circumstances. Yes, we will rejoice. And yes, we will lament. But through it all, through it all, we say, it is well with my soul. That is what satisfaction in Jesus looks like. And that's what contentment is. That's what Paul is teaching here. Through the mountaintops and the valleys, there's a consistent confession in the heart of a believer. Contentment, this is moving on to my third point. Contentment is a lesson that we have to learn. put it more briefly. Contentment is learned. Third point. Contentment is learned. Looking again at the passage, I want you to see how Paul speaks of this contentment. Verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have, I have what? I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned. Paul has learned this. Philippians is not the first book that Paul has written. Philippians is not Paul as you get him right as he's a Christian. The time of Paul's conversion to Philippians, to the time that he writes this. There's a period of time there. There's years. It took Paul a period of time to get to this point that he can say in Philippians that in any and every circumstance I am content. This was a process. In the Christian life, God, God has us on a journey. We are, not in, we are not saved and then immediately taken to heaven. There can usually be a long point of time between, the, between our conversion and when we go to be with Jesus. Same with Paul. And what Paul is saying is that from the point and perspective of his conversion until now, this is a lesson that he had to learn. And dear friends in life, there's some lessons that have to be learned through the school of hard knocks. Amen? Contentment is a lesson that must be learned. Yes, God can bless us with immediate contentment. Yes. But I don't think that's Paul's emphasis here. Paul is speaking of a process in which he went through to learn this lesson of contentment. It's both for the bad and the good. Now, the way we learn the lesson in the good and the bad is different. With the bad, the way we learned contentment through experiencing difficult circumstances might go like this. God brings us through difficult circumstances to teach us 
that his grace is sufficient. God uses these trials to show us that what we need is him. And that with him, we'll be okay. Yes, we may have needs on the outside. Yes, our bodies might be wasting away. But ultimately, what it is that we need, what it is that you need, is Jesus. And he takes us through trials to show us that. Before a trial happens, we might say, you know what, God is good. God is good through all of it. And we believe that, we mean that. But it is a totally different thing to say that at the end of a trial. Your faith is more authentic, it's more genuine, it's been tested, and it's proven its worth. And God takes us through these difficulties to show us that it is He that we need, it is Him. And with the good circumstances, with the positive, with the bounty and the blessing, God might teach us contentment this way. In the life of a Christian, God might allow a Christian to wander off and get their eyes and vision set on a shiny object. What happens in our lives is that we might get very interested in some area, some thing. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's more than a hobby. But God allows us to sometimes experience the consequences of our decisions. So with getting focused on a shiny thing, whether it's money, whether it's popularity, some external circumstance, whether it's comfort or vacation, what God allows us to do is allows us to consume that stuff. And what we find out is that we're empty at the end. It's kind of like junk food or fast food. Let's say you're really hungry, and there's a McDonald's. Oh, and if I could just pull over and get a burger. Let's say you do that. But how do you feel at the end? Oh, I feel sick. That's what God lets us do sometimes. So we wander off and think, you know what I need? I need a new job, or I need a new spouse. Or I need to move somewhere. Or I need this, or I need that. That's what I really need. And God says, okay, go ahead. And we go, and we start consuming, and, and we're back at the same place we were. Dissatisfied. Dissatisfied with life. Over and over again, God uses these difficult circumstances... And he uses these blessings to show us over and over again that what we need is him. Not stuff. Not external circumstances. Not a change in those things. Not more money. Not more pleasure. Not another spouse. But him. This is a process of trial and error as we learn it through life. 
as we go through difficulty and the Lord holds our hand and he assures us that he is with us. And as we feast on things that don't satisfy and come up empty and we return to him, all of the Christian life is a learning of this notion of contentment. And dear friends, let me make a final comment about this learning of contentment. Don't learn this the hard way. Do not learn the hard way that stuff doesn't satisfy. Don't learn it the hard way. You could waste decades of your life. Some people go from thing to thing to thing to thing, job to job to job, spouse to spouse to spouse. And at the end of their lives, they look back on their lives and they say, what do I have? And they're left with nothing, only a trail of hurt and pain towards other people. Don't learn the, this lesson the hard way. All of us will learn this one day. Learn it now. Learn it now that stuff doesn't satisfy. Learn it from Paul. You don't have to live a life of vanity and fruitfulness, fruitlessness, to learn this lesson right now. Don't learn this the hard way. Learn that God is good through all of this and that we don't need anything else other than the full sufficiency of Jesus Christ to be okay in this world. Moving to my last point. Contentment comes through Christ. Contentment comes through Christ. Verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is a very popular verse, but it is often used in the wrong, wrong contexts. So I was at a gym in Dallas, and this was a Christian gym, a Christian high school, and on the side there was a banner that said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So I got a basketball, and I said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to dunk. Why are you laughing? I'm joking. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. It's important that we understand that this all things is contextual to the passage here. Paul is not talking about athletics. While it is true that I can, even being a short guy, can dunk by the power of Christ. That's the only hope I have for that. While that is true, that's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying here, the all things, refers to contentment. When Paul says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, what it is he is saying is this. I can be content in any and every circumstance through him who strengthens me. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is talking about godliness and not athleticism. And what we see here is over and over again what the Bible teaches us. What the Bible teaches us is that our hope, our hope of being satisfied in Jesus comes through Jesus. Our ability to obey Jesus our ability to be satisfied in Him 
comes through him. In other words, salvation, sanctification, is all by grace. This is all a gift from God. So many people take it on themselves to find satisfaction. You cannot find satisfaction in this world by yourself. You never will. What we find in ourselves is the need for forgiveness and the need of redemption and sin. But what it is that Christ offers to us as the risen Lord, as the one who conquered the grave, He is the one who strengthens us. He is the one who is with us. He is the one who gives us the ability to be satisfied in Him. It's all of grace. You cannot be content. You cannot be satisfied left to your own devices in this world. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. I'd like to end this morning with a with a story from one of my favorite theologians to live. His name is Augustine. You might say Augustine. Each pronunciation is correct. Augustine was a theologian who grew up in northern Africa in the 300s and 400s in the Roman Empire. And he gave us, he gave the church, he kind of resurrected Paul. He found Paul and he emphasized the notion of sin, of grace, of election. Now, Augustine getting to this point was a process. Augustine was a man who was not raised in a Christian home. He left his home to go to Rome to become an orator. He wanted to be a, fa a famous person in the ancient world. And as he went to Rome, he found all the pleasures that Roman life had to offer him. Sexual immorality, feasting, drink, popularity, fame, wealth. And what he found himself, what he found happening in himself was that Rome turned out to be different than how he had thought. Just like us, he went looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places. And he was empty. And whenever he became a Christian, he wrote this book called The Confessions. One of the most important books in Christian history. The Confessions. It's a spiritual autobiography of Augustine. And there's this one line in this book that has captivated many Christians since it was written. And it beautifully captures what Paul is teaching here. So thinking of Augustine as wandering off to Rome and trying to find satisfaction. And later finding Christ. This is what Augustine says. You have made us for yourself. Here he's speaking of God. You have made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest. 
in you. You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. The problem that we're addressing is this notion of restlessness and discontent. And the message is simple. Jesus satisfies. He offers you water to drink that will forever quench your thirst. This thirst that you have cannot be satisfied through a changing of circumstance or doing something on the outside. What we need is Jesus and him alone. Gracious Father, we give you thanks and praise. Father, I pray that with Augustine that we might say that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That with Paul, we might say, we have learned in whatever situation we are to be satisfied in Jesus. And that we would say with Jesus, that yes, Lord, you give water that leads us to never be thirsty again. Father, give us Jesus' water. Give us this water that will quench our thirst forever. For the non-Christian, touch their hearts, lead them to see the futility of their lives, of this endless pursuit of stuff, and the eternal dissatisfaction that it brings. Lead them to repentance. Lead them to find their satisfaction in Jesus. And Father, for the Christian, as we experience both blessing and trial. We pray through it all, Father, through the blessings that, Lord, we would not behold the gift over the giver. That we would not idolize these blessings that you have given us, but constantly realize that it is only you who satisfies. And, Father, for the struggling Christian, lead them to not despair, but to see your purpose and their difficulty. And encourage them with those words. Your grace is sufficient through weakness. Father, help us complete your work in us, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name and by the power of the Spirit, we pray.